Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis, and I'm just your typical Spike. On the line with me, my good buddy, producer extraordinaire, watch aficionado, mm. master of the One Watch collection, Cameron McCoy. How you doing, friend? You know, dude, I'm doing well. But last night, I I need to tell the listeners that I probably got... Uh, one of the most passive-aggressive text messages from you in my entire <laughs> life. We're discussing when to schedule this show, and you said, hey, I'm open anytime. I say, cool, and I text 8 a.m., and lo and behold, the text I get from you is the most passive-aggressive thing ever. The slide-eyed, like, looking-to-the-left emoji. It just, like, you're totally, like, I don't know, I guess... I, I was insulted. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, um, I'm a victim of using the most frequently used emoji uh, <laughs> shortcut. And nine times out of ten, that button is the thumbs up. Because as you know, Cameron, I am a thumbs up in the text message enthusiast. That is <laughs> upwards of 80% of the text messages I send are just the thumbs up. And I think for a lot of married guys, that's... You receive your orders, you're confirming that you've received your orders, and you're executing the orders, right? It's enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but, as you know, I've had HVAC issues that have been ongoing for weeks now. And my most common emoji <laughs> over the course of that has been the disappointed face. Yeah. Yeah. That's what and it is. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I have no problem with recording early in the morning. In fact, I prefer it. Um, get up and, you know, walk my dog and uh, play a few games of standard, then I'm ready to record, you know? Um, so, Cameron, we have got some new previews. And we got to temper our excitement because some of the new previews, and I, I don't want to go over the new cards specifically. I want to talk about the new mechanics. Sure. But it's always tinged with excitement because we're showing Eldraine the door, like, and Ikoria. <laughs> and, and so it's like every new card that's previewed, that's one that's not Bone Crusher Giant. And that feels real good. Um, but you and I have both been playing cards this week. Um, I want to know what you've been up to. Speaking of Bone Crusher Giant, uh, <laughs> I've been playing um, a wide variety of standard decks. I feel like I'm I'm finding my place in standard. I haven't touched historic in like a month, and I think that's okay right now. Like, we need to have some words, historic and I, and it's coming. Uh, but in the meantime, playing lots of different standard decks. I'm trying this new one just because I had essentially all the cards. It's a black-red mi mid-range deck uh, that's running like a Valky, Murderous Rider, Bone Crusher Giant, Woe Strider, and then just... That I mean, it's about it. It is it is really really rote as far as like how it's winning, you know. Ox of Agnos, there you go. You're gonna you know like it, it's doing exactly what it's doing with the black red cards, um, some decent removal and uh, the the card that actually has been I think doing the most heavy lifting for me, especially when I'm playing against something like mono green, is claim the firstborn. That in combination with Woe Strider is just been really, really, really good. So like, there's some fun interactive elements going on with this. Um, I guess what I'm saying is like, it's funny. It's fun to kind of comb like that tier two level that's happening in Standard, where there's a lot of like these really decent, solid decks 
that aren't ultimatum decks, decks, but uh, they have game and they give you the opportunity to play some really interesting interactive magic. Um, so, you know, like I'm I'm ready to see Bone Crusher Giant out the door, absolutely. But seeing how it can kind of interact with some of these other, you know, lower tier decks, it's been fun. I don't. Have you played against the Affinity deck that's floating around Standard too? It's like a Lura's no, Ginger Brood, all that glitters, and it's. I mean, it's it's kind of glass cannony. Like whenever mm-hmm. it draws the right hand, it can actually turn through you. Um, so I mean that that's like multiple all the glitters and stuff like that. Um, but like turn four, if it's unopposed, can do some pretty nasty things. Um, it kind of makes you wonder, and I think it is worth discussing. Like. Was this standard even more diverse, but we were so, people were burnt out, the community was so negative on it that people were less willing to maybe brew a little bit and just kind of shorthand go, nah, the adventure package, Uh, the Mm -hmm. ultimatum package, it's so easy, Rogues is so easy that I don't really need to like spend some time on it. And again, we didn't see a ton of very, um, what's the, you know, top of the page, big ticket um headline tournaments yes there's still like quote pro magic on (laughs) arena or whatever Uh i don't even know where to find it or when it happens so like i would argue something like the scg circuit or the gp circuit pushes these things to innovate right like yeah and as soon as somebody takes down a gp with affinity you're like that's a deck and then you start testing against it. But whenever it's this kind of like you're just checking goldfish and it kind of becomes this infinite feedback loop, right? Like you're just yeah. iterating on the same deck and guys like you and me are not brewers, not to throw you under the bus, but I feel that we're both kind of this way. It's like yep. uh, I'm not a deck developer. I want to tune the deck to the way I want to play it. And that's what I have time for. And that's what's interesting to me. Um, but yeah, dude, I, I've been playing blue, black and standard and uh, again, kind of the same. It's it's a lot of fun. I don't know that I would take it to a big uh, ticket item uh, or big ticket tournament uh, if those even existed. <laughs> um, but it's a lot of fun. However, the more fun thing, because I was telling you this, I was planning on playing modern. My modern scene is, we'll say, dwindling, not the best um, at the moment. And I saw that Tinkerer's Cube was up. And if there's a good, really good side of the Jumpstart Historic uh thing jump what is it called jumpstart historic horizons whatever the heck all that's supposed to mm-hmm. be mm-hmm. you know brand name brand name brand name um it's that it adds a lot of cards to cube <laughs> it's true and so that lets the archetypes breathe a little bit i was playing a soul hoarder blink deck and it just kind of makes some of these cards that probably aren't good enough for historic things like you know, this, or what did I have, Whirler Rogue, you know, fringy cards that saw standard play, Soul Herders are Horizons card, I know that, but like, you know, these are cards that in a cube setup are really good and really fun, and there's just more and more cards coming on, and I had multiple moments of going, oh, Core Skyfisher is on Arena, I didn't know that, that's pretty cool, you know, um, and so if you haven't had the chance to play the Tinkerer's Cube, yes, cubes especially if you're not good are kind of like shredding value 
Uh, mm-hmm. But it's a really fun limited environment. I would tell you, like, if you really want to get the true cube experience, play traditional so you can get that best two out of three and really experience mm-hmm. it. Um, still one of Arena's best products, though, just as it's MTGO's, one of their best products. I got to ask you, Cameron, have you seen that? Uh, I think it's over one of the weekends of one of the conventions, MTGO's doing the all cards are free thing. Oh, um, man. Seriously? Yeah. Might have to dust off that client. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just play some vintage or something, right? Like you'll get access to it. But just like it's just like you know, whenever the pandemic started and they started giving free breakfast and lunch to all students, mm, and then mm-hmm. it's kind of just continued. You're kind of like, wait, we could just be doing this all along, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you kind of have that moment of like, wait, uh, we could just be have access to these cards all the time and then it would be not that big of a deal um seems like that's where you should go with this client but whatever hey Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i'm not in charge of things so anyway uh anything else you want to talk about in terms of playing before we jump to the midnight hunt mechanics uh yeah that was it standard decent (laughs) and almost over like we're whatever yeah two weeks away close yeah so all right let's get out of segment come back and talk about what else is going on So, Cameron, if you're like me, you've probably found that social media is maybe only worth checking 10% of the time. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, before we get into the mechanics of Midnight Hunt, I want to ask your opinion on this occurrence that somehow became a debate. Um, It's the good game bluff. And so, essentially, if you don't know... uh, Saffron Olive posited this on Twitter, later on wishing he hadn't because of how toxic <laughs> it had gotten. Um, wouldn't you love to live in a world where the worst, the, the thing that was the most important to you was someone bluffing on Arena? Right, um, yeah. Anyway, so someone, po- like I guess it was him, he, he tried the good game bluff where you say good game, uh, made the guy attack in with everybody, uh, and then... He settled the wreckage them. And so basically bluffing them in to settle the wreckage. Um, And so (laughs) this became a discussion, I guess, of uh, of whether it's bad, bad manners. So in eSport world, they use the expression BM, like as in bad manners. When you're an older guy and you hear BM, those are not the words that come across (laughs) your true <laughs> when people are like yeah that's not bm that is bm you're like mm, okay interesting so cameron i guess the thing i would ask you bm or no bm dude i mean first and foremost i mean you got five chat options or whatever it is in arena i don't know how many times where i'm clicking on like my opponent's hand just looking at like whatever revealed card and I accidentally hit mute, and so I never even see when they might be saying good game or anything like that. And, like, have at it. Like, yeah, like, good game. I'm going to attack into it, maybe. I mean, the thing is, is your opponent should be smart enough in high-level play that if you're playing Historic and they have a Settle the Wreckage or they're playing some sort of control deck that has Settle the Wreckage, there's a good chance that maybe, maybe they have a settle of wreckage. And you even if they say good game, 
whatever, whatever. I mean, like, I think it's more hilarious that people are so passionate about this. Uh, when I'm like, eh, it, 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 you know, there's five chat options. When I, somebody doesn't play the game right away or like they just let me hold there while I have to watch the timer go down, I don't know how many times I click good game, good game, good game. So, so you're whatever. a part of the problem, Cameron. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I got to be honest with you. 98% of the time, as soon as my opponent says hello or any – actually, I'd say 100%. Anytime they say anything, even hello, good luck, I instantly mute them. <laughs> I instantly mute everyone. I'm not interested. And, again, this is the way I play video games. The, the times that I play basically everything but Destiny, I mm. always mute everyone else. Yeah, I'm not interested in what they have to say. I'm not there for that. I know this is, you know, shaking fist at the sky stuff. When I play with you, I feel like you've probably muted me. So, you know. Cameron, yeah. you you can stand proudly on my not muted list. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'm just not interested. I, I do think part of it is also, my wife and I have had this talk too of like, you know, my day job, I'm dealing with, you know, 160 students and having many, many conversations over the course of a day. I really, really like silence, quiet whenever I'm kind of in my space, like gaming and stuff like that. It's just a way to unwind. And I'm not looking to hear, I don't even want to hear your chat. Now, first, I want to just get a couple things about this debate out of the way. Number one, people say, well, good game in paper is conceding. So that's what this should be. No, it's not paper. It's not the same. It's not. So like that just needs to go away. If someone has access to this and they use it, I kind of don't see the problem. I feel like... Part and parcel of card games is deception. Part of competition in general, right? Like, yeah, um, yeah. you know, the Baseball. old, yeah. Uh, and, and there are lines of what's acceptable, not acceptable. And baseball is kind of the most infamous of there is an unwritten rule book that is very real of what you should and shouldn't do, right? But I think it was Tony Larusa. Uh, but anyway, there's there's some baseball manager that was famous for constantly giving signals to the runners about when to steal or not. And the actual signal was if there's a towel on top of the Gatorade. <laughs> right? So, like, deception is kind of part of the thing. And I feel like uh, this is part of it. Now, full disclosure, in Arena, my big thing that I do is when I, well, I'm trying to get my opponent to play into something, I'll hover my mouse on that card and act like I'm reading mm. it and act like I'm in big trouble. I do that all the time. Does it work every time? No. Maybe one in ten. Right. But it does work. And I think that's kind of one of the strengths of arena is seeing where your opponent's mouse cursor can go, because it kind of gives you a that kind of extra layer of you're there in person. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, oh, dude, in paper. I mean, you've played against me. I There are many, many times I'm I will pin trick. I will act like I don't have things. I like to me, that is just an important part of it. Um, you know, acting super frustrated with my hand when my hand is just fine. That is, I mean, to me, part of the deal. Mm -hmm. You know, acting know. like my hand is fire when it is not. You know, the very smug, satisfied, <laughs> you know. And it's a six-lander. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, when I think BM, it's Curtis Nauer. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was kind of funny, like, seeing the older Magic people being like, what is the problem with this? Like, are you kidding me, right? <laughs> yeah. 
And, and compared to some of the really lovely and kind chats I've received on Magic Online, this is like... <laughs> this is true. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I don't know if you know this. According to my Magic Online op- opponents, I am the luckiest idiot ever. Right? <laughs> and I say thank you. Thank you to that. Um, all right, Cameron. So I just want to talk about these mechanics like super fast. Spoilers are kind of coming in slow and steady. Um, the big change is the change in the werewolf mechanic. And there are a lot of like P's and Q's to it, but basically day and night has become a global thing. So essentially if we're playing and we both have werewolves in the past, you had to play no spell on your turn. Just your werewolves would flip. And then you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Now it's not that way. It's when it's night, it's night for both players all werewolves transform into werewolves and vice versa, right? Uh, there's even tokens that are, say, date, uh, day, date, day and <laughs> night. Um, but that would be really impressive if they had tokens that said the date. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, right. <laughs> it is now August 21st. <laughs> um, so what do you think of this mechanic? Uh, interesting. And, you know, like these things were like whatever's happening on the battlefield affects everything globally um i think i like in some ways like the legendary rule back in the day when you had a crocus i had a crocus and they're both you know blow up in some ways i kind of like that mechanic i totally get why that doesn't exist this seems to be kind of like a happy middle ground and i like the idea that these cards are in sync essentially so i'm i'm, I'm down with it i think i like it I think I like it too, and I think it's going to be easier to track. Also yeah. worth pointing out, this is totally how Day-Night works in Eternal. Um, and, you know, hey, Eternal is basically ripping off a ton of magic mechanics, so Turnabout is fair play, I suppose. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, if you played Eternal, it's kind of like this. Um, now, the other one is Disturb. So that is a, I guess, one of the other three, um, is you cast a card from your yard. So it has, like, flashback but it's a transform. So essentially disturb is like basically turn it into a spirit or zombie or whatever Mm -hmm. in the flashback form. Um, Again, one that I'm pretty cool with. I like the, I guess I like the lore of it. Um, And I like that better than eternalize where you were kind of creating a token of the same thing. Uh, Yeah. What are your thoughts, man? Yeah, I, I mean, mechanically, and if we're going like just by, like you said, the lore or whatever, like the idea that you're resurrecting something from the graveyard, it should become a skeleton, zombie, or spirit. Or, you know, just something where it's like, hey, this thing was dead. So in that sense, I really like this, and it actually makes a lot more sense for reanimating anything from the graveyard. There should always be some sort of, I think, drawback to that, and I think that would actually make things a lot more interesting uh, with graveyard-based decks. So moving forward, I hope this is something they continue to use just because, to me, it makes sense within the context of a graveyard. Yeah, and again, with like Eternalize, I know I'm kind of picking on that, but like whenever you exile a creature card from your graveyard to create a token, it always feel, it just feels more natural to take that card out of your graveyard and put it back in to play. You just mm-hmm. would always lose track of like, oh, this time it needs to exile. So having it transform as that extra layer... I think it's just mechanically really sound. And it's nice to like have these mechanics because with Ikoria especially, there were mechanics mm. where I was like, are they even thinking about paper players? Like, this is crazy, right? And now it feels like these function really well in paper. 
So a correction. Uh, there's also this mechanic called Coven, which is basically you you need to control creatures that each have different power, as in power and toughness. And um, apparently Coven can be more than witches, which I didn't know was a thing. Hmm. Um, but uh, I would say a fairly baseline, maybe not that intriguing, not that flavorful, but maybe is going to be okay mechanic. What do you think, buddy? Yeah, there, there's definitely somebody's going to be trying a deck with with Coven, and and they're going to see what it is. But it it feels kind of like the uh, I can't remember what the mechanic was a few sets ago, where you could have like five different creature types, a warrior, a, party, a party feels very similar to that. So cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will say, dude, I am I am looking forward to this set, even if. Like, even if there was not a rotation, and thank you, Jesus, there is, um, it, it is kind of, like, flavorful. And Innistrad, is, it's a warm blanket, dude. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. it's a nice place to hit reset. It's, like, good, flavorful, five-color magic. There's nothing crazy going on. Um, and, I, boy, do we need that back now more than I, ever. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. So, Cameron, we are once again at the... Uh, crossroads of you have watched a marvel movie and i have not so we're going to get it out of this segment come back and we're going to talk about it spoiler free we'll be right back all right cameron so we're going into this discussion i know nothing about shang chi like actual nothing i've i don't know that i've ever read a comic with him in it Mm-hmm. Um, and I've read I've read a, a, a fair number of Marvel comics in my time, Cameron. So help me out here. What what? First of all, what's the baseline story? And second of all, how was the film? So uh, yeah, Shang Chi, Shang Chi, or like I, I I'm gonna butcher the pronunciation, but um, I read I know he was in a few Chris Claremont X Men things. So like that's like the only thing I really know of him. Um, but yeah, he is kind of like a martial arts expert and, um, the context of this film takes place, I think a few months after the snap, when everybody comes back, Mm -hmm. uh, spoiler from Avengers Infinity War, I guess. (laughs) Um, so that, you know, so we're in that new phase of Marvel and this more so than the last Spider-Man film that came out really feels like this is the next phase. Like they're definitely setting up everything as far as like how I think like fantastic four is going to be in something things like, um, the other villainous organizations that are going to exist, like the 10 rings, um, you know, like all of these things, like they're definitely setting it up for like, here's, here's a new phase of Marvel and totally down for that. The great thing about this is while there are tons of like little Easter eggs, not only in the end credits, but like spread throughout the film, uh, that pay homage to past Marvel films and really set up where they're going. Uh, this movie does just stand on its own as far as just being a pretty solid action film. Like you, I don't know anything about Shang-Chi. Um, I went in with zero expectations. I just really wanted to go to a Marvel movie in the movie theater. Like that's So I you know, signed up for Thursday night, opening night, and went. And 
much like so this movie really pays homage to the Hong Kong films of like the 80s through the 90s and the O's. Um, the opening fight sequence feels like something from like House of Flying Daggers. Um, r- I mean, really good choreography with like these enhanced special powers and like the way the wind kind of, you know, flows when they're like, you know, swiping their hands for like a, a karate chop or whatever. It, it's like really, really, really good fight choreography. Um, beautiful. Like it was well, well done. There is another mid fight um somewhere about you know at the after the the initial thing and we are introduced to this guy the the first fight that actually happens felt like a Jackie Chan flick from like the 80s like police story okay. and it, like okay the the choreography for me on that was thrilling i was like this is <laughs> like this is better than honestly any other like Marvel action fight scene that I've seen because a lot of times like I always feel like they're holding back on their punches or like like it's clear that these are just actors who might have been trained for like a few weeks or a few months but they don't actually have the skill set to throw a punch um the no actor, Tony Jaws basically right yeah uh the actor is familiar in martial arts and like you can tell like he really brings something to the choreography um by the end of the movie it becomes a marvel film it's very much in the vein with like black panther where i really liked the very beginning of black panther and then there's like this end battle scene that's just where all chaos erupts cgi fest not bad marvel can get a pass i guess but i lose interest as a viewer but some of those opening sequences man are just so good on top of that, um, Aquafina is in this. She plays kind of like his friend, not really a love interest, which I really liked. Um, and yeah, it, it was funny, charming. Uh, yeah, and just didn't feel like a Marvel film for those first like hour and a half, which I really liked. Awesome. I and I would also say like what you're describing, like because it's so weird whenever we talk about the problems with the Marvel movies, and it's like. Basically, those are the problems with Marvel Comics. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, whenever you're like, um, uh, th- things feel kind of samey. Well, the same guy created a bunch of these. Yeah. Uh, the battles kind of become battle soup. Again, that's a very common problem uh, with Marvel books. Uh, you know, the, the fight sequences don't always pop in the way because you kind of have all these like, you know, at least with Superman, you can ha- kind of have bombast. Uh, you know, and like, I would argue that Dr. Strange maybe had the most interesting conclusion because he kind of had to trick the, the villain. And that's mm-hmm. like, again, very common with Dr. Strange comics versus something like Captain America or, you know, Iron Man or whatever. But like, you know, whenever you read an Iron Man comic, a lot of those fights are him just flying around going pew pew, you know, like, yeah, that, yeah. that is it. And it's, it's interesting that like the kind of things that would freshen up, like, Sorry, I'm thinking about this as a comic book buyer. When you go and get your pull list and you, you get your DC and your Marvel, you also, you know what? You got an issue of, uh, you know, Sandman in there. You got an issue of Preacher. You got something that kind of changes it up. Powers, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, pick, take your pick. I you know for a lot of people, Walking Dead was that for years and years. Yeah. Um, and, it's, and it's like, we don't really have that. So whenever you're just like shotgunning these movies you kind of don't get that same variety that you would whenever you go to comics, even out in an outside of Marvel superhero universe, right? DC doesn't really mm-hmm. have it together. Valiant 
is the other major superhero universe, and basically we got Bloodshot with Vin Diesel. <laughs> sure. Right? <laughs> um, you know, and like Image hasn't produced anything. Whatever. You get the idea. So I, I'm definitely interested to see it. Uh, I, I'm interested also because while I really liked Black Widow, the film, it also felt like it was a apology note like hey guys mm. we know mm -hmm. we should have done this leading into avengers so let's take care of this now sorry yeah. our bad and that could have been a movie that was done eight years ago and it would have just felt fine where you're right especially especially what is going to happen with fantastic four and x-men because i think specifically the fantastic four you have room to do something totally different and still make it fit. You don't have to have big blue light in the sky, massive mm -hmm. army running into other massive army. You can do something real and something intriguing and something smart. And, I mean, if there's ever been a group of characters that have been done a greater disservice throughout the last 20 years than Fantastic Four, I can't think of him. You I know agree. what I mean? Yeah, totally agree. Uh, so, hey, just some quick hits from me real quick. I am going to go to a Flesh and Blood event tomorrow. Uh it's a three-day weekend here in the U.S., and uh, I'm going to go to another starter event. This will be my second event. We'll see how that goes, um, and I'll probably talk about it on next week's show. So just you know, bear that in mind if you're anti us talking about flesh and blood. I'm just going to mention <laughs> it. Uh, but I, dude. So because I've been having kind of problems in my home, like long game sessions, especially in the evenings, are not very pleasant for me. Mm -hmm. um, but Halo Infinite's coming out in whatever three months. I wanted to touch back on Halo 5 because, Cameron, I think that game is very unfairly hated. Uh, mm. It's on Game Pass on console. I don't think it ever came out for PC, but you could correct me if I'm wrong. I think if you get the Master Chief Collection, it stops at Reach. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, that sounds or, right. Or, or, wait, yeah. did you play Halo 4? with the like? I the did glowing? play Halo 4. Okay. Yeah. okay, so Halo 5 is the one after that. Okay. And it is, it is a narrative disaster. Half the time you play as not Master Chief, which I know happened in Halo 2, but you play as another Spartan. And if you didn't read all the novels, the stuff that they're talking about, and I had to Wikipedia, all of it, they just assume you know all this stuff. And so, like, on a story level, you have these, I mean, gorgeous cutscenes, Cameron. Gorgeous, and they make no sense. <laughs> so, like, if you are there for the narrative, I could see how this was a disappointment. Fortunately, I think the Halo story is way too into itself and i don't really care that much and the gameplay on series x it's 4k 60 frames a second it it just sinks it's one of the best playing shooters i've ever played it's not quite titanfall 2 but like i would put it in that range i think it plays better than destiny 2 i know <laughs> and and so just the playing of it is great it's just you kind of have to like if remove yourself from whatever's going on narratively but it's been a really fun thing for me to like i guess i'm not explaining this very well my my game room i can't open the windows because we're not supposed to let moisture into that room so it kind of mm. gets a little unpleasant in the evenings afternoons this time of year with my hvac down so anyway point being is it's a really great hey i've got i woke woke up super early walked my dog i got 15 minutes to play i'll pop in and play 15 minutes of halo get myself back up to snuff very good game. So, very much worth it if you get a chance. So I will check it out whenever it comes to the Master Chief Collection. <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of weird that it hasn't, right? But I, I want to yeah. say it's kind of like the lone 
Xbox exclusive Xbox One exclusive that is still just like stuck on that machine. Like I feel like everything else is moving on or moving somewhere else. Uh, and or it's on PC, right? Like reaches on PC, it's sold incredibly yeah. well. Um, but anyway, so there's me this week, Cameron. Uh, hopefully, I get to see Shang Chi this week, but I wouldn't count on it. Or wh- why is it on the like holy cow Disney Premium? Pay thirty bucks. I don't. I don't know if it happens now or if they have like a little window. It might be a little later. I haven't looked. Well, because last time I took my. Th- family to the movies i was four tickets and popcorn is like 78 dollars. so yeah i'll yeah, probably be watching that sucker reality yeah. yeah all right cameron if someone would like to get uh, a hold of you and talk to you about the price of popcorn where could they find you it's all on twitter at cameron underscore mccoy and i am at curtis now our official show feed is at spike feed mtg we'll check you guys next week <laughs>